Ready? So welcome back to Diaries of the Wild Ones. Now, I do apologize, guys. I haven't had too many episodes coming out lately, and that's because I've been deep, deep in building my house, and I've been really kicking some goals and having a lot of fun with it. But last weekend, Wild Earth Australia invited me up to a 4x4 expo up in Brisbane, and uh, they did a really cool thing. They got all their ambassadors together and they put them on stage uh, to tell adventure stories. And so I went up there, I was one of the guest speakers and I um, t- you know, told some stories to, to the crowd and, and I sat there and listened to others and oh my God, you know, I got so freaking inspired. I got that inspired that I ran back to, I was staying at my sister's place in the city and I ran back from the expo across the city just because I wanted to get the body moving. I wanted to get training. So, you know, this is um, a different year for me. I've got a big goal at the end of the year and that's to get to Argentina to climb this mountain. So I've got to tick a few boxes to get life sorted um, so I can make that happen. And one of those boxes is kind of, you know, getting my house to a point where I can just, you know, leave it and come back to it and it be a home. So the last couple of months, the podcast has been a little bit quiet, but I just got so inspired. So I'm heading up to Brisbane next week and I'm going to do some interviews with some of the people that I heard at that expo. It was just so freaking inspiring. And then I just cannot wait to take this podcast back on the road at the end of the year when I go climb this mountain. I just keep dreaming about it. Like, what mountaineers am I going to meet? Like, what cool people am I going to meet on the road when I'm in South America? You know, and then now, like, the dream just gets, keeps getting bigger and bigger. Like, am I going to have enough money? Can I go back to Iceland? You know, it's just like this whole, like, you know, getting excited and so excited again about the podcast so you know hold on guys i've got some great stories coming your way because you know it all comes from the extension of like how i express myself you know when i go traveling and and the things that i do so um right now i'm just ticking a few boxes in crescent head building my house the love's still there the the excitement's still there actually the excitement's just come back so i'm really excited to say that next week i'm recording with some proper badasses and i can't wait to put those stories out i do really want to thank wild earth australia because they're the ones that got me so inspired and then you know what did i do next i went straight into wild earth and uh got a got a climbing setup i got an alpine climbing setup so i can you know start training for the for this mountain stuff i can go down and to the western faces here in australia go over to new zealand um if i get the chance and also go do some canyoning so i'm just so excited and straight up you know wild earth they just had everything you know i literally i'm i feel so honored and blessed to be connected to such a company you know that just really believe in the adventure lifestyle and that really support it you know and they support you know kind of like underground adventurers like me you know people that just want to get out there and have a go so thank you yeah just genuinely thank you so much wild earth australia now if you guys need anything for your next adventure hiking, camping, climbing, running, you know, survival, you guys name it, 
they have it. Go to wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code MYDIARY. So huge thank you to Wild Earth because, you know, you guys just, yeah, you just support me so much and I just, I'm just so thankful. And once again, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Crescent Head Brewing Co., you know, the local brewing company here. You know, next time you come to Crescent Head, go to the local bottle shop or go to the local tavern and try the local brew. Let's support the small business here. They're mates of mine, they run it, they're doing an excellent job. You know, they care, you know, it's just we just live in such a unique little town and I just love seeing people go out and having a go and trying something and I just want to support them and I want to support our little town and um, I said it on the last episode guys and I just love that I'm going to say it again when you come down here vanning or in your troopies and your, your vanning life or your camping life when you come to our beautiful little town please stop shitting on the headland use the public toilets available all right thanks so much guys now this episode it's uh, another extension from the survival trip that i did let's not even call it a survival trip from the hitchhiking trip that i did out to the remote percy islands you've heard a few stories of it before you know when i hitchhiked out there and sat down with sage but this time i sat down with matt brown who is who started who i started this podcast with you know who i first sat down and started telling my stories to and I went and saw him again and we sat down. He wanted to know about this last trip. And um, we actually ended up getting into like the weird stories about the trip. So it's a, especially towards the end, it's pretty fun. It's pretty ridiculous. But yeah, enjoy this episode, guys, and have fun. Matt Brown. Dude, dude, reason why I'm so so stoked to have you back here or to be what is it nothing i just pointed at it to cut your train of thought oh okay yeah i'm a bit of a prankster (laughs) (laughs) okay you're an asshole i didn't remember this about you i did okay right now what i'm trying to actually do with the podcast is i think because of covid man like you know the whole thing was it was always taking it on the road Mm. And that's where I have the fun with it, like where I'm having so much fun is where I'm actually just traveling and traveling raw and meeting raw and wild people as I was tra- as I'm traveling. And so now that I just da- did that last trip, I'm back home and all these people are reaching out, which I love to come on the pot to come on the podcast. Mm. And I was sitting there the other day and um, when I interviewed Patrick, that wild man and ear story that I have, it just was straight back to the roots of how you and I first did this podcast. And that was like, you know, it was just sitting down having a beer or smoking a joint or just getting real. Just, you know, like all the, I don't know. It was just like so. Well, it's good it was a traveling podcast because it's kind of what this podcast is sort of loosely based around is all about traveling and adventures. I know. That's why I wanted to come up and just sit down with you again. You're so keen to do this because I haven't caught up with you for ages and you wanted to hear about what I've been doing. And well, then... I want to hear about the island because, uh, yeah, the island is pretty epic. And I kept seeing your Instagram stories popping up all the time and you're on this island on your own. Yeah, it's, it's always so funny uh, when you do trips and you either like, I go to a lot of places, obviously you don't have reception because you're so remote mm. and then you upload stuff after or if you upload stuff during, people think it's funny. I was a, So I, I was 180K off land. Mm. Actually, I was 135K off the closest point of land, but from port, from where I left was 180k. What are the islands called again? The Percy Island Group. Percy Island Group. Yeah. So what was funny is that there was a satellite out there that I traded 
Oh, I, sh- I should just be real with this podcast. Eh? It's yeah, pretty funny. Okay, let's just yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm going to be real with it, but let's just. So you okay. robbed somebody for a satellite? No, I traded. <laughs> I traded marijuana to use a satellite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how like every so often I could get on like Instagram or post something or whatever. But I, I didn't get on there much. I couldn't. It was a hike to go to go to it. Mm. But it was just good to get the weather or whatever. But um, what you yeah to 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 catch up with you, it's like. I'm trying to think because I've, I've touched on this podcast with the guy that I sailed up there with. Well, I've got two podcasts out that have touched on this island trip, but that was only the first bit of getting to the island. Mm. And the so, whole thing. So where are you up to so far in your podcast? You're, you're at the island and mm. what, you got to find a place to live. <laughs> like, hang on, how long did you plan on going there for? Like, what was the... The original plan, you got there and you're like, hey, I'm just going to stay here for a while. Like, did you have a set number of, you know, days or weeks you wanted to be there? Well, I'll touch on the start. So the whole idea of this island trip was that I've been spending pretty much for every year, the last like seven years, I've been going up and spending time on the Keppel Islands. Mm. That's been my little gateway and like in middle of winter, going up to the Keppel Islands, dancing and playing on these islands. I say dancing because I love to just run around them and just freaking just have fun with them. And so you um, run around on an island on your own just dancing? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, no, I put my headphones in sometimes because every time I go up there, I go work on the power station up there. Mm. And so that's why I've gone up every year to the Keppel Islands because I do the power station at Rocky. And then every weekend, every time I go up there, that's the time that I use to get myself into training yeah. and I get into a routine. So then when I have my days off and then I just go and I run the islands. So just, yeah, go to either Great Keppel Island and run to different parts of the island and Mm. explore it. And I always, before the job and after the job, go and do a camp camp trip on the island. And I've done survival trips on those islands. I've done a whole heap of different stuff. I just explored the hell out of them. And years ago, when I was camping on the Keppels and I was actually camping up in a tree, the episode, the Geordie, the the Witch and the Wench, is actually one of the biggest podcast episodes um, that I've got. It was the guy that sailed a, like it's an old pirate ship. He sailed from Canada, um, mm. and he just talks about like starving at sea because he got lost at sea and everything. And it's, it's so interesting. But Simon, I met him, and then he was going to the Percy Islands. And when I interviewed him, he had a story of in the nineties when he was sailing and got caught in a um, in a typhoon, um, and ended up stuck. I think for five or six weeks on the Percy's, living yeah. off the Percy's. And then when I was doing that trip, when I ended up sailing with him, we we're meeting other yachties when we we're sailing around the Keppel Islands and they're all heading to the Percy's. So I always had this thing where everyone's like, the Percy's is like the most remote islands off Queensland. They're like the last frontier. So I always dreamed about what these islands are. So I was doing research and the only way to get out there is to go via sailboat. Yeah. That's the only thing that goes out there that stops off. And it kind of, it kind of anno- it didn't annoy me, but one day this yachty on the island um, was kind of giving me shit about like, well, having a barbecue and people had given me some food and everything. And I was enjoying this time with the, with these um, yachties that came in. And this guy's like, oh, aren't you a survivalist? Shouldn't, you shouldn't be like having the barbecue. And kind of like, I was like, mate. And the whole thing was, it wasn't to do a survival trip. It was to go experience the Percy Islands. Mm, just explore and, them. Yeah, but it was like I had to do what... So I had to do whatever I needed to do to be able to experience that. So if that meant a survival trip, yeah, I was up to that. But I was there. The whole part of the trip was just to experience the Percy Islands and whatever it was. So there was no rules around it. Mm. It just so happened that the Percy Islands don't have anything on them. 
Yeah. You know, on the middle, like the six islands out there and on the middle island is a homestead and it's on the opposite side of the, like, of the island where I camped. It's about an hour 40 to hike up there. Like it's quite a long way. Mm. But there's two lease holders up there, Robin and Annie. And they're what? They're, they're 24-7. They live there on the island, yeah. They've got an old tall ship, like an old pirate ship that um, they built, I think, 12 years ago. And it's like an amazing ship. And they, they have it in like the little, the little, there's like a little canal hmm. in the island and they keep their boat in there. And so they go back to the mainland like once every three, four months to get supplies, but they pretty much just live off the island. So they've nice. got the leases. I think it's one of the, the last leases in Australia, like of the islands. Yeah. And so they have it. So half the island's national park and then they have the lease for like the other half. So the whole thing was like I was trying to get hold of them. They, they are the ones that have the satellite. Um, there's actually two satellites. Another yachty who lived on his trimaran there had set up... Oh, Maybe I shouldn't say his name because I traded him. So you can cut the, that if you want. Yeah, to use the satellite. But the whole thing was, right, I was like, all right, I need to get to these remote islands. I have no idea what's out there. I've heard that there's a yachty's hut on Middle Percy Island, the island I was trying to go to at West Bay. Mm. The only thing was that bay is only good in certain um, types of conditions to camp at. So I wasn't sure what the predominant conditions were going to be for when I get there because the Nordleys were kicking in. Mm. And it's no good to be in that bay when the Nordleys are kicking in because it was the end of the sailing season. For people who don't know what happens when the Nordleys come. Well, it's just onshore wind straight into that bay. Mm. So, but in that bay, I, I, I heard that there was like an A-frame, just an open like kind of building, just an A-frame just open where yachties stop in and they all leave like memorabilia, like their boat name or like a lot of people make like a bit of art or like leave their... Or leave a buoy hanging up with their boat's name on it or, or something. Or leave their pipes for people to smoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I was like, all right, so to get out to this island, okay, I'm going to have to do it as a survival trip. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to take everything that I need to survive off an island if there's nothing out there, right? I'm going to have to take a water purifier. I'm going to have to take um, flints. I'm going to have to take all my dive gear. I'm going to have to learn what type of um, plants are on the island for foraging, right? But then I'm like, the whole thing that's going to save me is like, I'm hitchhiking out there, but yachties are going to pass through. And the whole thing is to trade off yachties to be able mm. to survive off the island, you know, because it's like, man, to be honest, I didn't want to punish myself. I don't want to go without food. I don't want to go without water. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, so the whole part of the trip was like to be able to do as much as I can. Because that's the thing, when you're doing a survival trip, man, and you're like hungry and you've got to go hunt for food, it's actually extremely freaking hard and you do it, but it's just like, it's way more fun if you actually have the energy in you yeah, to do and it. Mm. to do it and then you can go dive and catch more food. So it's like, it's like kind of playing the balance where you're keeping your, your energy there, you're keeping the kilojoules, you're keeping the, um, yeah, you're keeping the protein up. So I was like, all right, what are Yachty's going to want? I need something to trade. I'm like, all right, so I've got my spear gear. So once I get out to the island, once I hitchhike out there, I've got my dive gear to be able to catch fish so I can trade fish, right? And then I was like, what else would they want? Mm. Okay, they're going to want cash maybe. Maybe I can buy something off. You know, when boats come in, they're, they're going to have supplies on it. It's like maybe I can buy, you know, food off them. So I bought a whole heap of cash with me. Like not much, but I just... Went and made sure I had some small, smaller notes and everything. I think I just took a few hundred bucks with me. And then I took, I'm like, what else would people want to trade? Hmm. I was like, well, straight up 
marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to know the funniest thing, mm. which we'll get into it when I'm actually when we when we get to the island, is that okay? So when I was living on the island in a hut, yachties would come anchor off the beach and come in and meet this guy that's living in a hut on the island that he built. That he built, which I'll, I'll get into in a second. But and I'll be like, oh hey guys, like. You know, everyone was always blown out by me. Like, what, who the fuck is this yeah, dude? Do you know what I mean? We're just, we've just sailed out to the remote Percy Islands. We finally get here not expecting anyone to be out here. And there's this dude living in a hut on the beach. Was, it, was there ever anyone as like, like romantic couples looking for a little deserted island to go, you know, have some fun on? And just as they get to the beach, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to get on here. And then next minute you're like, hey, I'm Aaron Shanks. <laughs> It just comes out of the fucking nowhere. Was there anything like that going on? Uh, no, but there was a funny story when I'd been there for probably a month at this stage. And I'm sitting there and no one had been to the island for days. Mm. And then next thing I'm looking there and I see this like sailboat like come past. I'm like, oh, there's a boat coming in. And then it just keeps sailing past the bay. I was like, huh, I wonder where they went. Next thing, this dinghy comes around the corner with a whole heap of like girls in it <laughs> and, a guy, and the, the dinghy comes to the beach and there's two guys in the dinghy with four girls. You weren't they, like imagining it, were you? I thought I was because they dropped these girls off and all these girls, like four of them climb out and they're all nude. Oh, really? And next thing, the, the, then the dinghy leaves with the two guys in it and drive off and leaves these four naked girls there. So now these four naked girls... You definitely girls, imagine this. And they're looking around the beach and they're like, hang on a second. Then they look up and they see me just sitting in my hut. And then <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> just a psychopath in a hut, just, just sitting on the beach and they've just been left there with no clothes. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, they were nude. So they're from Bruns, Brunswick Heads. It's funny, I knew them from, uh, I, I, had, I had seen them before, I didn't really know them, but I'd, I'd recognised them from the um, bongo circles down yeah. at Bruns. And yeah, yeah, but anyway, so they've just walked up Did you up tell them me. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had some mutual friends and stuff, but, but it was just so funny. Hey. They've just walked up, these four nude girls, and I'm like, what is happening here? So did you go down to them or did they come up to you? They walked up to me. Because oh, I was like a bit, you don't just walk up to four nude girls. Like they, they think they're on a deserted island. Yeah, and so they, I didn't know like what their comfortability was. Like I, I would one hundred and ten percent think I'm imagining the whole thing. What did happen? You used to happen to pirates? You used to see mermaids? Yeah, well, you hallucinate. Yeah, you hallucinating. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that eaten in days. Yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> see, I didn't want to be starving out there. And the weirdest thing was, like I was saying, like I took cash. And I had to I think you were losing out of this whole thing. Well, we'll get into. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get into the actual story. So this is um. Because there's a funny story about these girls, which I'll get into. Mm -hmm. So I took cash, marijuana, and my dive gear to trade, mm. to trade fish, right? So I'm catching fish. Every time a boat came in, hey, hey, do you guys, I've got some fish. Do you just want to trade something like rice, chocolate, whatever? He's got people like, oh, literally every boat was like, oh, no, man, we can't take your, we've got supplies. We can't take your fish. You're the guy living on the beach. Like, yeah, no, you keep the, the fish, man. Freak at the beach. Yeah. Part. I'm like, oh, well, is it, I've got some cash. Can I, can I buy anything off you guys? And they're like, no, no, man, you're the guy living on the beach. No, you don't want your money. Mm. Oh, well, I've got some marijuana. Everyone. No joke. I became the guy that people were sailing to the Percy's just to get weed <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, dude, they got to this stage where like, 
boats would come in and it must have been like getting told over the radio or something weird, yeah like like a boat would like anchor out and then some people come to the beach for the day or whatever and then walk up be like oh hey um heard you're trading um we've got some chocolate we've got some um rice um <laughs> we've got some biscuits <laughs> yeah it was so good but okay so where we are with the podcast the last couple of episodes was that i met sage you know, mm. the whole plan was to hitchhike out there. And so I put an ad up at the local marina. I put, um, I put a few, few ads on Facebook, on Yachty websites. And then a few friends reached out and hooked me up with this guy, Sage. So Sage has taken me out there. I've covered all this and my whole story with him, you know, to, to get to the island, right? So when I get to the island, the first couple of days, I'm, I'm sitting there going, so we get to, to White's Bay first. And there's nothing there. Like, it's a really raw part of the island. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to find a water source. I'm trying to find, like, there was good diving there. So I'm like, all right, I've got fish. But I'm like, there was no good protection to build a heart. There was like, you know, and, um, but it was perfect weather. So I first got into this island. My first, like, look at it is like, okay, Sage is going to leave me here. I'm going to build a hut. I could reckon I could probably get away with, like, maybe a week to two weeks max with the rations that I have and catching fish because it's going to be really freaking hard going because there's like no water sources, no, it's really open to the weather. Is it just fish? Yeah. I suppose you could find some seaweed on like pippies, mussels, um, oysters. Yeah. Mm. God, you wouldn't want to hate seafood, would you? No. (laughs) Well, the thing is like, this is the weirdest thing. Everything tastes amazing when you have nothing it's probably all fresh out there too like yeah but even just like anything that anyone gives you you know that was the one thing about that trip did for me it gave me like it really put me in the now like being on an island completely by by myself just every day like everything i ate every little thing just tasted so freaking good because i was so in the now with it Mm. so and you're hungry too Think about when you're really hungry and you're like, oh, I can't wait to eat food. As soon as you eat, your body gets that little hit of energy and stuff. Mm. It's probably the same thing. Not to mention seafood's full of energy as well and yeah. protein. Well, it was pretty funny. So like I'm, I'm on this raw part of the island, which is middle of like nowhere. And then Sage, the guy that I sailed with said, hey, like we'll sail around to West Bay where that A-frame is. Mm. And we'll have a look because it's a smaller bay. It might be better for you. So a couple of days goes by and we sail around the corner. And we see this freaking A-frame. So we, we anchor the yacht in the bay and it's just terrible weather. I'm looking at this beach going, this is t- there is no way I can camp on this thing. The, the, that northerly was just howling straight into the beach. It looked horrible. Is it facing out to sea? No, it's or facing sorry. to Australia, but you Australia. can't see it. Yeah, yeah. You know, facing to the west, perfect sunsets going down. It was a magical, man. So anyway, so the first night, I'm sitting there going like, fuck, what am I going to have to do? Like, this, this bay looks like terrible. The next day, we wake up and we go to like, we go to explore the bay. We go check out this A-frame and there's a water tank there, man. There's someone set up a water tank, a water catchment off the roof of this like open, it's just an open shack. Yeah. And so they've set up a water tank there. So I'm like, oh my God, there's water here. Okay, straight up. Okay, now no matter what, I've got to camp here. Because now that I've got a water source, that just changes everything, right? And so the weather this day is also perfect. So now I'm looking out over this crystal clear, small little bay. So I'm walking up and down the beach and I see this like little corner down that I'm like, oh, this looks pretty protected. There was a bit of a tree line. And I was like, this is going to protect me a little bit. Like, because it was a small bay, it was more protected from the weather. Mm. It was just like the 
dead, like nor kind of nor northerly, but a lot of it at that time was nor'easter. I was kind of protected. Dead north, I wasn't that protected. But all the southerlies, I was really protected. I'm like, oh my god, like this is where I'm gonna have to build this hut. So the first afternoon, Sage was with me still, and we started like trying to look for materials. And I'm this whole time I was dreaming of like building a hut on an island out of driftwood. There was no freaking driftwood on this island. It was like nothing. So I'm like searching around and what there was, was like old gums that had fallen over like hardwood. Mm. And so Sage and I are dragging down these big logs of hardwood from out in the bush. And I've got this machete and I'm like using all my energy to try to cut this stuff up. I'm sitting there and I'm like, fuck, this is going to be hard. Yakka and Sage is just going for it. I said, no, no, look, we're burning too much energy, man. Let's just wait. There's got to be something better on this island to build a hut with. Like there might be some bamboo here, there might be something else. And I'm like, sure, like there's got to be something. So we go back to the yacht. The next day I meet this guy, uh, Steve, that lives on his trimaran and he's been living there for for quite a while. He was originally an island kid, born and grew up out on one of the lighthouses on like one of the next islands over. And he lived in his trimaran really like... uh, It's a a trimaran? Like it's a type of yacht. It's got three hulls. But he lived there on this and I started talking to him and I said like you know he was, he was a loner kind of guy you know like island boy but an old guy you know and I started having a chat chat to him and I said how did you, know, you meet him he He's was also sailor. anchored there yeah oh, he was just there. yeah he just lives in his boat there yeah. he's just a you know he's just a recluse kind of yeah. guy and I'm having a chat to him and I said I'm you know we're looking for like some bamboo or something he goes oh, on the other side of the island of the homestead there's a stack of bamboo mm. and he goes oh um he had a trike and he said, I need help with this boat that had been a boat that these fishermen had sunk. Mm. And he had like got it out, out off the reef. It was completely smashed up. I think they flipped it and he had towed it back into the little bay. And he said, if you give me a hand to get all the fuel out of like to siphon the fuel out of this like smashed up boat, mm. then I'll take my trike up to the other side of the island and, and tow the bamboo down for you if you go cut it. So I was like, oh my God, like straight away, I've gone from being completely like going to an island with no one to suddenly like there's a beautiful bay that I can camp in Mm. that has like this weird kind of open, I wouldn't call it a building, just a shack, like just a a roof that has a water tank on it. Now there's a guy that is like living kind of on his boat, but on the island as well, like kind of like he's got his own little trike there and a little satellite and a little boat shed that he's built on the island. Mm. And so he's got a few little things set up and suddenly he's telling me there's bamboo. And I'm like, oh my God. So I hike, well, I ran it. It took me about an hour to get up to the homestead, which is on the other side of the island. I see this big bamboo stack. I'm taking my machete up. So I'm just hand picking bamboo bits and I'm looking at, I'm trying to think about the design of this hut. Were the people at the homestead like, why is this psychopath with a machete running up to our place? They weren't there. They'd sailed back to the mainland to get supplies. Because that would be terrifying Mm. to live on an island by myself and just see this psycho come out with a machete (laughs) running up to my house. Well, it's kind of funny because like I didn't know if it would be okay to cut their bamboo. This guy said it was, Mm. you know, so I just kind of took his word for it. And I, I went up like into the homestead and cut like... I was, you know, doing three different sizes of bamboo, thicker stuff, mm. and, you know, then stuff for battens, stuff for the walls, for the roof, for the um, footings to hold it up. And I cut it all up, had a pile of it. And then this guy the next day dragged it down to the beach for me. 
he just towed it down and so i'm like so now i've got like all this bamboo sitting on the beach mm. and i'm looking to where i can build build this hut right and right where i wanted to build it in that little corner had this palm it had this coconut palm so i climb up the coconut palm to get rid of the coconuts because it was going to be above my head for anyone who doesn't know aaron climbs trees for a living yeah yeah i'm a tree climber but so i, I thought about it and i was like the best way to do this would be use the palm as one of the footings build it off the palm tree hmm. so dude i built this thing like i literally dug it in like the footings of this hut it took me four days pretty much sunrise to sunset with a machete like <laughs> proper building like i built two walls put a roof on put all the battens across and then i put these other kind of footings in along the side of the walls so i could weave in the the um palm leaves yeah through the walls to make like walls so you had like this strong structure on either side with a roof on it then palm leaves as like the walls on front and back and sides or not front i mean but sides and back and then sage's dad had sailed in with migalo and he had an old tarp with a few holes in it so he donated the tarp so he put that on the roof and then put some leaves on and like before i knew it i had this like hot beautiful little hut on the beach so then was it really beautiful no, it actually was. And then <laughs> Sage and I, how we, how we dragged down all those big logs. Yep. So what I did is I dug this big hole in on an angle and put the log, jammed it in on an angle to the coconut palm, oh, yeah, yeah. dug it into the sand, like dumped it in and then put my hammock on it, man. So next thing, I, and then I made a little fireplace in the front. Sage climbed some coconut palms um, one afternoon and dropped a whole heap of coconuts. So I had all these coconuts there in front of, in front of the hut. So I made a little like coconut opening station. Um, I had my little hammock spot. I put my tent under, under the, uh, in the hut. Do you, then, use, do you have a coconut a day? Like, cause that'd be full of water and stuff. Yeah. It? I was having a couple. Yeah. That was the whole thing. It just suddenly became easy. It went from like, Oh, I'm going to spend a week here. Yeah. To being like like by myself and isolated, and this is going to be really punishment. To like, hey, my basic needs are covered. I can have as much fun with this thing as possible. And then the first night that I'm actually like in the hut, all these boats rocked up. So pretty much, there was like no yachts in there because the weather was terrible, and because it was the end of the season, the yachty season, mm. all the boats have to leave from like up north from Airlie Beach. They kind of got to get to around Morden because. Otherwise, they're not covered by insurance because of the cyclones. The okay. cyclone season comes in. So all the boats are going, are going south. Because it was at the end of the season, it was the last set of the boats coming through. So the first night I've actually like completed this hut. My, like the whole thing, like the whole dream that I had was to build this hut, build a hut on an island, just camp in it, right? Mm. The first night, the first afternoon that I was finishing it, I'm just seeing yachts on the horizon coming in. Before I know it, there's 10 boats in the um, bay anchored. And yep. all these people are coming to the beach to, to hang out at the A-frame and have a fire. And they've said, hey, we're going to have a barbecue tonight. Would you like to come? And that's how the barbie happened. Yep. Yeah. So next thing, I'm having this barbecue. And one of the yachties bought a sheet, a blanket, and they've put two bamboo rods on the, on the beach and put a sheet across, and they've got a little 12-volt projector. And put a projector a on, and we're sitting there watching a movie. They've got popcorn. <laughs> They're passing around chocolate. What movie did you watch? Oh, Hercules, the Australian com- comedy version. 
Oh my god, it was one of the funniest movies I've ever watched called Hercules. It was like a um dub. That it was like yeah. this takeoff. Like anyway, so I'm, next thing I've met all these amazing people. Their hospitality is absolutely beautiful. You know what I mean? They're sharing everything. I'm having there's like out of the ten boats, made about twenty people. Mm. I'm like, are you kidding me? Next day, everyone left. They sailed on, but I was just sitting there going, oh my god. You know what I mean? Like I'm on this remote island. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to like catch most of my food and do all this, but I'm going to have community come in. I'm going to have like people to meet, you know, people to experience things with. So next thing it went from like, like the whole dynamic of what the Percy Islands has to offer completely changed. And so what I found like living in the hut there was that the longest I went without seeing anyone was 10 days. But it was normally so like three or four days. I wouldn't see anyone. Next thing, mm. there'd be boats for two to three days. You know, then they'd go on the weather window. No, you know, the weather would be bad for, for sailing to the island. It'd be beautiful where I was and I'd have the island to myself. Mm. You know, so, so what it became like a day in the life would be just wake up in the morning and just go for a swim, be on this island, island by myself, go for a swim. Well, there's any surf there or is that just blown out? No, no. There's, no, the reef. There's yeah. no surf because the, the Great Barrier Reef's just, well, it's part of the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. Box all the swell. Yeah. You get like windswell come into that main bay. Mm. But it went from like this survival trip to not just having fun, but like, I mean, not just meeting people, but having as much fun with it as possible. So my day-to-day life became getting up in the morning and just going diving mm. and just exploring, exploring the island, diving and diving in different spots. But what, what happened was um, as the wind started changing with the northerlies, it started bringing in all this coral spawn to the bay that I was in front of. What's coral spawn? It's like, um, is it like a, I think it's an algae from the okay. reef. It's like yeah. what the reef puts off or it's like a type of like, but what it does, it's like makes it really bad visibility. Yeah. And so I had to actually start hiking. This is when it actually started getting bad. So as the month that I was on in that hut by myself went on after, especially after the first week, it just became less and less yachties coming in. Like mm. I said, it got to the point where the last bit, it was like 10 days. I didn't see anyone. And that's because the end of the sailing season had happened. All the boats had already gone south where the insurance was finishing up for all the boats that had already got out of that area. They're gone south, you know. And so now it was getting serious because my supplies are getting low. Like boats would come in when I'd meet people. Like I remember one guy when I was building the hut, he, um, and that boat, like when I said the 10 boats came in, this guy came one morning. He's like, oh, what are you doing, man? I was like, oh, I'm just building a hut. I'm going to live in it. Mm. And he's like, oh, he had a bit of a chat with me. Next thing he went and got in his dinghy went back to his boat, came back with a plastic bag with like oats, chocolates and bickies, mm. you know, some um, bananas, you know what I mean? He gave me a bag of food. So it was like, that's the kind of thing that was happening. So I was, I was having these rations, but the less people came, the less chance I had to trade, the less rations I was getting. So you had to go fish. So, well, I had to just get fish every day, no matter mm. what, you know? So it was like, but the, when the coral spawn came in, I couldn't just dive out the front. I had to start hiking. So that's when it started getting actually like really hard because like to hike to the other side of the island where it was clear Mm. would take me like two hours. So I'd have to get up in the morning, get get my water, drink as much fluid as possible, try and get take a little ration bag. I'd I'd had a bag that could carry all my spear gear and then I'd hike across in like North Queensland heat two hours across the island, put my wetty on, all my dive gear, go dive for a couple hours 
come back in and have to hike back a couple of hours with my fish, then build a fire, cook it on the fire. And that's when it was starting to get like, you know, when it was starting to get hard. Not just that, it was, um, I was, because I was there by myself and diving every day and diving same spots or different parts of the reef. Mm. The sharks started like, well, for one, there was a shitload of sharks there, but they started they started knowing what I was, what I was doing. They started like knowing the sound of my gun, knowing that it was going to equals my sound of my gun equals blood in the water. They knew your name. So it started getting to the point where sharks just started hassling the fuck out of me. Really? So it was about probably about two and a half weeks into the island. Did you ever think though, like what's my game plan if I get bitten by a shark, if I, you know, break an ankle hiking, do you know what I mean? Like, like serious injury. Mm. Well, like what, how do you, did you have a backup for that? Like, so I had a radio on me and I had an um, emergency beacon. Okay. But the thing was, I wasn't taking it first with me because I was like, oh, what am I going to do? Like no one's with me. Yeah. And then when those girls rocked up, the nude ones. Okay. So here's a funny story. So oh, hang on, we'll keep going and then get to it if you want. No. So these, yeah. these, like I said, I'm in this hut at this stage, I'm probably about two and a half weeks in by myself like i'm a month and a a bit over a month into the trip because i spent the first couple of weeks with sage now i'm by myself for probably about two and a half weeks at this stage and then these nude girls rock up right and what had happened they'd come to the island they were in early beach they jumped on this guy's boat you know to do a tour like it's just a private boat just to sail and he sailed to the percy islands to to camp out Mm. So Probably what, didn't murder them, but anyway. Yeah, maybe. Like, so what, you, what they were doing, it was too bad. They wanted to camp in the bay that I was in, mm. but the weather was too bad to anchor there. So he's dropped them off in the dinghy, and then he's taken his boat around to the other side of the island and then coming back in the dinghy. So that's why I'm sitting there, and these guys just drop off these four naked girls. They think they're <laughs> on an island by themselves. Next thing, there's like mm. these four chicks. So anyway, I was with them for maybe about an hour until the... the the rest of their crew came back. So I think it was four girls, all with accents, like backpackers. There was another, I think it was a French guy maybe, who was a backpacker. And then there was another Aussie. And then the captain was from Florida. So all just mixed, like everyone from everywhere, you yeah. know. And they're, and they're camping, going to camp out. That afternoon, a couple of the guys, they thought, because they'd only just sailed into the island, they were all backpackers. They thought, it was a small little island. Mm. They didn't realize how big Middle Percy Island is. Like it's like twice as big or three times as big as Great Keppel Island. Like it's a big island. I, I don't know how to say by, by acres, but it it would take you about four hours to hike across it. That's big. Like from top to bottom. Like mm. it's a long way, you know. So they've decided, holy for these girls, these backpackers, to go get in the dinghy and they want to go for an explore. Mm. at the time i'm out diving i'm just out diving i see this dinghy go past me you know no one else is on the island i see this like, dinghy go past me so i come is in this after you've met them yeah this is yeah. after i've met, met them that afternoon yeah so i've come in uh back to my shack and i see this girl arabella one of the the nudie girls she's like walking walking past past my shack and i was like oh what's going on she's like oh i'm really worried the the guys went in the dinghy you know, a couple of hours ago, they said they were just going to go for a quick little run, but there's, there wasn't much fuel in the in the dinghy. So I'm just going to hike up the this um, cliff to see if I can see him down. And I was like, oh, it's pretty treacherous up there. I'll, I'll, I'll go for a walk with you. So her and I start hiking up and I'm showing the way to get around to the other side of these cliffs. And we're looking for these people. And we're not seeing a boat anywhere. 
Mm. We're not seeing a dinghy. We get to the whole like one other corner of the island where we can see down one side of the island and we're not seeing anything. So then I pull out my radio and we're trying to get on the radio and we're not, not seeing it, like not hearing anything. No one's corresponding back. So we hike back and by the time we're hiking back, we see this other yacht, the trimaran that Steve, that that other guy has. We see yeah. it cruising past and we're looking, we're like, what's that guy doing going for a sail? Because this is right on sunset at this stage. And then we look at the boat. There was two people on the boat, not just, not just the, the captain. We're looking and they we're like, who's that on the front of that boat? And it was the American captain that didn't go on the dinghy. So what had happened was... So he's gone looking for him too. He's, yeah. We're thinking, we, we're like, oh my God, like this guy's gone looking for pretty much his crew. Like something's happened. So mm. we get back. There's no one on the island. So we're trying to radio. Next thing, it comes over the radio from the homestead, the other side of the island, the leaseholders, Robin and Annie Cook going, hey, um, we've just had a triple zero call to the island. The search and rescue choppers get... Um, going to be launched we've got missing people boats washed up on the rocks and we've got missing people and so next thing this girl poor arabella starts crying because her friends have gone out and got washed up and and so i'm like all right like um what can we do what can we do and we can't get comms to them because they're on the other side of the island Mm. so anyway they they've got a trike on the island like a motorbike like a a quad bike Mm. they've jumped on come down probably about 20 minutes to get down to where we are. So we're in panic stage. They get down. They're like, oh, no, no, sorry. We, we mixed up the, the communication. And what had happened was these people in the dinghy, I think there was five of them, have gone. And we don't know where they are. They've just gone around on the island somewhere. They've crashed. They've run out of fuel. Yeah. They're stuck on some rocks somewhere. And they've done a made. They've done called triple zero to this through the satellite. There's no reception out there, so it's the satellite call has gone through to Mackay um, to say, "Hey, like we're stranded on this island." Then the call's gone to the homestead mm. where Robin and Annie picked it up and said, "Hey, what's going on on your island? People are missing," and they've said, "Hey, like the it was confirmed on the triple zero call that everyone was okay, okay, but it was going dark." It was like a couple of hours till dark. So Robin and Annie said, hey, we'll do a search party. Hold off the chopper. And so search and rescue and Mackay said, all right, well, you've got until 6.30. Um, if we don't hear back from you, we're launching the search and rescue chopper. So Robin and Annie have come down on their quad bike and said to me and Arabella, hey, we've got to go searching for these people. That captain of their boat has already gone in the trimaran. They've gone to sail around the island to have a look. Mm. And... You know, and so I'm like, well, what can we do? And they're like, well, hold post because right where you are, like we can get radio reception. They're going to take their quad bike up to different parts of the cliff to try and look down at the island. So off they go. They go, go to different parts of the island and they're gone for like an hour. We're, we've got comms with them and no one can find these these missing people. What? The trimaran's gone, sailed around the corner of the island and back and we're thinking like there's no way like – no one would have ever thought that the people in the dinghy would try and circumnavigate the island, which is actually what they tried to do. Mm. So with only like a quarter of a tank of fuel, these guys, like it was just a really dumb call, have tried to do like something that would take a day to do <laughs> with like two tanks of fuel. Maybe. So they didn't and, realize how big the island was. And not was. even that, it was treacherous because they're going into the o- open ocean side of the island. Mm. So what had happened was, is that these guys have gone in the dinghy around the other side of the island, have hit big seas, crashing into them. They've run out of fuel. 
it's pushed them into the rocks. They've, they've climbed up on the rocks. They've lifted the dinghy up onto the rocks, taken the engine off. They've climbed the engine up a cliff and tied it onto a tree or something. Then they've, tied, then they've climbed the boat up and now they've stuck on the island and stranded. So they've called triple zero. Oh my God. And now what they've done, they're like, well, it's going, it's going to go dark. We need to hike back across to safety. Oh, so they're hiking. So, well, we don't know this. No one knows this, but this is mm. what's happened. We find out that all this later. All we know is that there's just missing people. So next thing, and so, and we're sitting there and I feel so hopeless because this yacht's out looking for these missing people. We, all we know is that they could be dead. We don't know anything that the, the quad bike's out looking and it's like an hour. It's going dark. It's literally going dark. And I go to this Arabella girl. I said, look, it's going dark. I'm going to run back to my hut because we're down the beach a bit where, where there was better reception for, for my two-way radio. And I said, I'll run back to the hut. I'm going to grab my hiking shoes, a mm. bottle of water, my, my, my um, backpack, my camel pack, but, um, a headlamp. And just a couple of like things, I was like, because it's going dark, we might have to be doing a search party in the night. So I'll go get everything I need. And as I run down the beach, I hear this cooey, like a cooey. Yeah. And so I'm like, fuck, that was someone in the distance. And I'm like, oh my God. So I start cooeying back. And this girl, Arabella, that I just ran from thinks I'm cooeying to her. So she's cooeying back. So I'm like, fuck, like now it's just getting- got multiple cooeys Yeah, it's all getting confused. So I grab my stuff and I run up to her and I was like, "Did did you hear someone cooing? And she's like, no, I thought you were. I was just cooing back. And I was like, no, I swear there was something else. And I was like, oh, just, just be quiet. I, I ran down the beach and I was like, listen, I'm trying to coo you out. And then I start hearing girls screaming in the distance. What, help? And I'm like, we can hear someone screaming. So Arabella runs down and she's like, it's going this way. And because we're on oh, this beach with like rocks so and cliffs. Yeah, it's so hard in those situations because you can never know really what direction yeah, sounds are coming from. We can't hear the direction it's coming from. Yeah. And there's like a bit of cliff, there's rock. It's like it's bouncing back and she's there going, it's this way. And I was like, no, I think it's this way. And, and so I'm like, and she's like, we're going to need to run down this way. I was like, look, look, I'm just, okay, I'll run up here first. Just check it's not this way, you know, the, towards the canal. There was a canal at one end of like this little cove. Mm. And it was like a bit of a cliff to climb up to. So I climb up and I'm yelling out. And I can hear in the distance people screaming. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, fuck, but I can't. It's too windy. It's on the beach. Okay, and I can't get the direction. So I climb down this like little cliff, like crevice into like this, um, to where I'm surrounded by rock into like kind of a little cave. So, and I just start cooing out. So it's like blocking all the, like the, the, the wind noise and just so I can get a better direction as well. And then I just start hearing like cooing, like in dead in the direction. So I jump up on, and by this stage, it's going dark. It's 6.20. At mm. this stage, it is 20 past six in the night. And it's like the last little bit of light, but it's like dark, you know? How did the boat not see them? It's because they've, they've been walking at this point. The boat isn't seeing, seeing them because they're checking one side of the island, not thinking these guys would be silly enough to try circumnavigate. and navigate. So all the search rescue te- or the search party team that we're doing is all thinking like practicality of like they've gone around this side of the island. Yeah. They're, they're stuck somewhere on this side of the island. They haven't continued on because that would just be stupid. something you're stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which this is what these guys did. So anyway, I've, I'm like going, Arabella, they're this way, they're this way. So I've like started climbing up this cliff because it's kind of like a cliff to like a canal on one side and on the other side was more of a headland. So it's like, and I start climbing up this cliff so I can get a bit of a um, bit of like a bit of height and look through the valley. Yeah. And I start flashing my headlamp and I'm flashing my headlamp into the valley and yelling out, yelling out. Next thing I see this flash coming back out down in the valley on the other side of this uh, river. 
And I'm like, oh my God, they're here, they're here. So I get on the radio. I'm like, I've got eyes on them. I've got eyes on them. So that by this stage, it's like, I think it's 27 minutes past six and the search and rescue helicopter mm. is launching at freaking um, at 6.30 from Mackay. So I've gotten word to the leaseholders, um, Robin and Annie, that I've got eyes on them. And I'm yelling, uh, so I start yelling out, is everyone okay? Everyone okay? And I can just hear in the distance, we're all okay. We're all okay. So I've gotten word that everyone's okay, that I've got eyes on them. Mm. So Robin and Annie got on the satellite phone, called search and rescue and said, and the, the chopper was, it was going, the team was there. They were literally about to lift off. And they're like, we've got eyes on them. It's all, it's all okay. So we've like, it would have cost so much. I don't even know how that shit works. But we've stopped the, re- the search and rescue team flying out mm. 135K off land from Akai, I think it is, to search for these guys. But now they're still in the distance. So we've come down to the inside of this bay. So we've had to hike down, hike along to the inside of this bay. By the, the time we get down well. now, it's pitch black. We've got my headlamp on. And that, where that guy had the trimaran and his little boat shed thing with the little satellite, he had a canoe there. So I've grabbed the canoe, paddled across the, the river to the other side to where these guys had to hike down to. And they had been hiking for four hours across the island and with no water, no, no food, and now it's pitch black. So they're all shitting themselves. And now they won't jump in the water to swim across because they're too scared of sharks. Mm. And I'm like, had to convince them, like, just jump in, guys. Like, we've got you. I'm paddling next to you. So they've had to jump in on these, like, oyster, like, cut rocks and, like, swim across. Yeah, and- fuck that. I'd be like, nah, just yeah. uh, wait, till, wait till daylight. It became <laughs> so ridiculous. Now we've finally got them. Everyone's safe. The leaseholders have come back down, checked everyone. And then by this stage, it's like, I don't know. 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. But it's so, about 8 o'clock by the time we got him back. So hang on, you've gone across on the canoe and then you've had to convince him to swim, swim to the other side. Yeah, and I've stayed with him to swim across. Mm. Right. So now we've got him back. Robin and Annie have come down on the motorbike. The, the, at this stage, the trimaran can't get back into the bay because the tide's wrong. So this guy has to anchor out off the bay. And so now we're sitting there and now we've got this crew of people for one made a dumb decision, lost <laughs> their boat and their <laughs> engine. Their captain's back. Everyone's been looking for him. No, they ended up going to get it, going to get it, and getting it, which is a whole ordeal. And now I'm sitting there. Now I'm on this like secluded beach by myself that I was by myself with. Now there's a crew of people that we just spent the half, the like full adrenaline afternoon looking for. And now they're just at like each other's throats arguing because they're all exhausted. They've all been on this survival trip and now they're all arguing or pointing fingers at whose fault it was <laughs> while their captain while their captain is pissed off because he's just lost his boat and his engine. <laughs> like, Are you laughing at all? Oh, it was so awkward because I, I like, I, like, like I, they wanted me to be there because it was the one that kind of like found him and rescued him. They were really thankful at the same time. I'm mm. like, oh, I'm going to go back to my heart i'll just leave you guys too and they're like no no aaron look it's okay and so like i'm trying to like we cook dinner we're where, all where exhausted are, where are you you're on middle on, p- on the bay this is at the bay because they camped in the bay that oh so they actually came in and camped yeah on the beach okay yeah and so now i'm like hanging with these guys it's just too too bad energy so they're now like i'm like oh my god so stuff on the island's starting to get ridiculous like now i'm like hiking heaps like across the like really burning energy just to be able to catch food mm. now people have come in 
They've got them lost on the island. I've had to rescue them. You've only been there like the days next, yourself. Yeah, yeah, the next day, these only people I can hang out with, there's like all this tension going on. So I'm like, all right, mm. I've got to get away from this energy and I need food myself, you know. Mm. So I've got to go hike. So I'll hike over to this place called Rescue Bay to dive. And now that they've gone, we've had people go missing, I've realized like, holy shit, I'm on an island by myself and it's treacherous. There is like really treacherous currents around that island. We're so far away from everything. And this is when I was like, all right, not only am I, I was already diving with my SOS beacon, with my emergency beacon. Mm. I was like, all right, I'm going to start checking in with the homestead and like tell them what I'm doing. So the next morning when I got up, I'm like, it's too much tension with these guys. I'm like, I'm I'm doing my own thing. I'm going for a hike. I'm going to go dive and get some food. So I call up the homestead. I'm like, yeah, copy, copy homestead, copy homestead. And and he gets on on the on the radio on the two way. And I said, hey, any um, just thought it might be a good idea to just check in with you guys and after yesterday, so you know what I'm doing, my whereabouts. And I said, I'm about to do a hike. It's about an hour and a half over to Rescue Bay. Mm. I'm gonna hike over there. I'll be diving, you know, blah blah. Um, I plan to be back half an hour before sun sunset. Um, or about an hour before sunset she's like okay no worries i said so don't panic unless you don't hear like hear from me by sunset right Mm. so i've hiked over now i'm sitting here and i'm just like laughing i'm like wow you know like now shit's getting ridiculous now i'm living off this island you know by myself the people are coming in and getting to meet cool people now (laughs) now we've just had this full-on adrenaline day of search and rescue and now i'm like all right i just need to just go for a dive right so I go dive and it's beautiful where I'm diving. I'm like, how have I not dove this spot before? As soon as I get, jump in the water, literally at like kind of like belly button height, at like, at like waist deep, there's like a hundred kilo Queensland groper mm. just like swimming by me. And I'm like, wow, this thing's amazing. I start swimming up this reef and it's just beautiful i see this turtle that's freaking like the size of like a little buggy like this huge turtle it actually had like um must have had a disease it had it's one of its eyes are rotten out oh, yeah. but i'm sitting there and the next thing the sharks come in and these little reef sharks are darting around me, and i'm thinking oh okay i'm not worried about them this is just a beautiful dive there's fish everywhere then i see this bommy off the side of the reef a what sorry like a bommy like a coral head and i'm like oh and i see and i see a um i see a little uh rock cod I see a little cod like swimming along. Well, not a little one. It was a nice size one. I was like, oh, there's a nice meal there. And I see him swimming along and go under this bommy, under this coral head. So I was like, so I dive down. I'm thinking he's come through there because he's seen me. He's going to pop out the other side. So I swim over this coral head and I dive down and I'm swimming along. And I think I'm following this coral arm, like this arm off like this bommy. And I'm like, because I'm looking, I'm not focused on the coral. I'm focused on where this fish is going to pop out. And next thing I look down at this coral and it's got a fin. And I'm like, hang on a second. I look down and it was like a six meter tiger shark. Like a fucking, the head of this thing. I'm above its head. Mm. I'm literally about two meters above the head of this fucking hugest, the biggest shark I've ever seen in like... The biggest shark I've ever seen. And I'm sitting above it (laughs) trying to chase this fish. This thing's just cruising under me. And I'm like, oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? So I've shat Did you panic? I panicked. I absolutely shat myself, which is what I shouldn't do. Because as soon Mm. as I looked at it, I was straight above it. Maybe if it was a sight, but I was like above it. Did he know you were there? Yeah, he knew I was there. 
<laughs> and I've just shat myself. But the thing was so placid. But I've just started swimming backwards, like panicking with my gun, like, you know, focused on it, thinking it's going to go me. And I'm sitting there and this thing just starts cruising, you know, like it's just cruising along. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I get back. I get back along the co- like the, the, the cliff edge. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not going into the depths because... Is tiger sharks like to stalk you mm. you know what i mean i'm like oh my god so and i still haven't got any fish i'm like fucking i still need dinner and i've done this two hour hike to get over there Plus you and expelled a energy panicking. yeah and i need food so i'm sitting there swimming along and then next thing this reef tip i'm sitting like di- dove down on a bommy holding my gun trying to be like silent like tapping it and i've realized it must piss sharks off when i'm tapping my gun because sometimes i tap my gun to um bring in fish to get fish inquisitive so i'm holding my breath now dove down holding onto a rock and next thing this shark just swoops me off a rock like next thing i just get like what, it knocks you it just knocks me off the rock i'm only sitting at about eight meters or something underwater and next thing i just get swooped by this reef shark and it literally just knocks me off the rock and i'm like oh my god so i've come in this panic i've seen this black thing this shark circling me and i'm like oh my god this guy wants to this have a go a different shark it's a reef shark different shark it's yeah. a reef shark so now i've got my gun on him looking at him and i'm like oh my god so now i'm getting all nervous because i'm like out i'm in the middle of nowhere I'm so far off land and I've got these sharks circling me. I've got this huge tiger shark, right? And then I've got this reef shark that is actually being darty and being aggressive on me. And I'm like, the, the tiger shark's not like, he's not really, he's just cool, but he's checking me out. Mm. And now I've got this reef sharks like circling me who's just darted on me, who's actually pushed me. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll start swimming back in. And I'm start swimming back in a bit, and I'm against the re- like the I'm against against the cliff edge. I'm trying to stay close to the cliff, you know. So I've got something to climb up on them. On and then I'm like I'm looking. This shark, both sharks are hanging around. This reef shark still getting darty on me. The next thing I look and I see this is a beautiful coral trout, like this fucking really nice size fish, like my favorite eating fish, really mm. nice size one. And I'm looking, so I dove down. I'm looking at Mr. Tiger Shark over here. He's cruising. I'm looking at dickhead like Mr. Reef Shark who's darting on me. And I'm sitting, and now I'm looking at dinner. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, fuck, what do I do here? So everyone was looking at dinner, basically. I think they were looking, yeah, everyone's <laughs> looking at dinner. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. And I've just shot this coral trout. As soon as I've shot it, I've seen... Well, this is the thing. I, I wasn't at this stage. I was just like panic mode. As soon as I've shot it, I've just started backpedaling while I'm trying to pull in this fish. And I know the reef shark's going straight for it. So I'm pulling it in. I'm just swimming backwards to this cliff edge that I'm close up to. I just swim as fast as I can up to this cliff edge, throw the fish up, like my the spear with the fish on it up, jump up as like climb, like panic climb up the rocks as fast as I could while this reef shark's coming in at me. To my surprise, the tiger shark, didn't give a shit. Didn't give a shit. Mm. I was expecting him to just come flying in. He was just cruising. But this reef shark just comes straight in at me. And I've like just jumped up on the rocks to get, to get this fish in. So now I'm like, so now again, I'm like, oh my God. Like I'm now I'm sitting there like a heart, like, you know, mm. panning it, like coming back. And, and I'm like, oh my God, like life's just getting fucking ridiculous. I'm like, did you ever think like, maybe I should have just brought a fishing rod? <laughs> Dude, I'm a terrible fisher. Like, I'm, I'm terrible at fishing, mm. but I'm good at spearing. Yeah. So I was just like, nah. But I did, I did bring a hand line, but I never use it. Like, you don't, yeah, you need to go out to get the good fish. Yeah. But now I'm like on the rocks. I'm like, I'm not jumping back in the water. 
I've got blood on me. The shark's all antsy. So now I've got to hike back along this headland, which takes ages. So I get back. Now it's going dark. And I'm like, oh. And you haven't checked in. And I haven't checked in. So now I'm like, and I'm just sitting there thinking, God, it's getting so ridiculous. And I'm still going to like an hour and a half hike back. And I can't get radio reception. And I'm like, oh, no. So I, I start hiking back and I get to up to like a headland where I can get a bit of reception. I'm like, yeah, copy Homestead. And I'm like, yeah, 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 like, a, you know, I'm back, you know. Mm. And they're like, yeah, we could so I go down. And then by the time I finally get back, you know, I'm exhausted, you know. And then I've got a lighter fire, yeah, you know, coconuts, and then start cooking my fish. And what I was doing, actually, I was because I had rice and lentils and I had stock cubes. So what I'd do in the day was soak my rice and lentils and put a stock cube in. The stock cube wouldn't dissolve or whatever, but I'd just soak it. And then when I get back and make a fire, I'll just put my pot in the fire on the coals while I'm cooking the fish. Mm. And I'd be able to, have, man, it was so yum. Like, so when you're having days like that, you know, you get back, you've got the complete clear, you know, stars, like completely clear sky, like stars and moon, just so freaking beautiful. And I'm sitting there, you know, like just that feeling of accomplishment mm. you know i've just i'm hunting every day for my food i'm trading every day for my food well not every day but every few days i'm trading with yachties you know i'm meeting cool people cool people coming to the island i'm meeting them yet yet at the same time i'm getting this secludedness to myself where i'm just on the island by myself getting to experience this raw and wild life man my where i actually built the tent didn't really realize was on an ant's nest and so ants were just, man, it just, I just got so, sand was in everything. Sand was in all my food. Mm. Got so used to, okay, so the first night I slept in my tent, my back was like killing me. It was so hot and sweaty and uncomfortable. So I didn't shower for six weeks. My clothes started falling apart because they got so salty and dry that they'll just crumble. Yeah. But I'll just be sleeping. The first two, three nights, I hardly slept. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? You know, because everything was sandy. Everything I ate had sand in it. The ants were crawling on me. You couldn't sleep in after, the hammock? After about a month, I tried to the mosquitoes. Oh, okay. Start smashing me. You didn't have a mosquito net? No, nah, not for the hammock. But then, it's not even that. They get you through the, the hammock at the back, like on your yeah. back and everything. You know, they just bite through it. <laughs> I, did it I did one night because I got really high and passed out in there. You didn't and think I to take a swag? Too big. Oh, okay. Yeah, everything's too big. You know, everything you need to take it has to be in a backpack. Took two backpacks. Yeah. So, but... um. That was the freaking brilliant thing, man. I was like, by the end of it, that little home, that little hut, like my little tent, was so freaking comfortable. <laughs> you know, I got so used to it. I got so I got so used to ants crawling through my hair. I got so used to sand being and everything. I got so used to being dirty. You know, I just got so... It's fun. It was really cool to see how the body adapts and how comfortable you become. You know what I mean? Is, is, the, um, is the hut still there? Yeah, I built it great. <laughs> I had to build it. Yeah, you know, I built it strong because I didn't. I don't know. Would it survive a like a cyclone? Oh, maybe not. Well, it it survives some pretty harsh wind. It's just protected where it is. Yeah. It's like quite protected because there's a hill behind it. There's like a headland next to it to the left and to the right side of it is a tree line. Mm. So it's quite protected. It's just like straight on to kind of like the nor'wester. I'll have to go visit it one day. Dude, it's so remote. It's Except I'll probably spend about an hour there because I just get burnt in the sun. So yeah, you'd have to take extra like sunscreen rations. <laughs> yeah. See, I didn't take much sunscreen. I didn't take like I 
that was where I cooked it. I didn't take much. Like I didn't take much mosquito. I, I wish I took more mosquito repellent because mosquitoes were smashing me. Yeah, I would have. I don't know. I feel like I would have thought mm. ahead and brought all that. Yeah, and I had to ke- like I had bought some. Like I bought one thing, but I used it so quick, you know. Mm. Like and I was like, I had, the fire kept them off a bit. The fire was really nice, especially if you had a bit of a cooler yeah, night. Yeah, fire works quite wind. well. Yeah. yeah, but it was like. Just even trying to get the fire going or in the morning, waking up it's, until I got the fire going, until I got that smoke going, just the mosquitoes like were just nailing me, you know? Mm. So it's just like those moments or hiking back, you know, hiking back in the dark. But just life just was, that whole trip was six weeks and I spent four weeks. I spent four and a half weeks on the Percy Islands by myself. Mm. And it was like, what I realized, what I found was by the end of it, I realized it was so in the now. Like nothing mattered. Every little thing that I ate, I tasted. I felt every little bit of the breeze. You know, everything. It was just so raw and wild. It started getting a bit... I was really pushing myself out of my comfort zone, which I, I, I kind of pulled back after a little bit once that shark hit me off. But I was like, I was going out really deep on the reef. I was diving really deep by myself. I was like... You know, I was like, just because that's what I had to do, mm. you know? Did you, um, did you lose a lot of weight? Yeah, I lost four kilos. That's not too bad. Mm. But how was it? I was starting to run out of rations and the whole time I, like, I was fine because yachts were coming in and I was trading with. And then the last, there was like no one for about four or five days. Then the wind changed and... The second time, because then it was only ever like two to three or four yachts would come in on the weather window, except for that first time there was 10 boats. Mm. And then again, this weather window hit and about eight boats came in and there were these two rips, like 80, there was 100 footer and 80 footer yacht came in, like these super yachts. And these guys that were on it were really cool. And they said to me, they said, hey man, like we're going to the Keppels tomorrow with our engines. We'll be there in a day. Like, why don't you jump on with us? We'll be there. And I was like, oh guys, like I don't really feel like my time's up yet. Like I just want, this was on a Friday and I was thinking like, I really want to try and make it till about the Monday because that would mean I've been on the island for a month. Mm. And um, I just like wasn't feeling ready to leave because I was so comfortable with the lifestyle I created. Yeah. Like I was just living on this island. Like I was just, I just, it hadn't gotten too hard yet. You know, it was still I'd adapted to everything and I was just having so much fun with it still. So then it came. So then these guys all left then on the Saturday and then the weather turned and I was like, and I was like, had a couple more days and the Monday came and I was thinking, you know, yeah, I've done it. It's been a month. The new full moon, we sailed in on a full moon. The next full moons come up and I'm like, wow, I've done it. You know, I'm like, oh. I'll start looking at leaving. Next boat that comes in, I'll see if I can hitchhike south with them. Not one boat came in for eight days. <laughs> so every day I'd get up and I'd be like, boat? Boat? And so that's when it started getting scary and when I actually started feeling isolated because mm-hmm. no one was there. Then I was really by myself. People weren't coming. Before that, it didn't matter because people would just come. It didn't matter. But now suddenly like when I wanted to leave, people weren't coming. And I was like, oh my God, it's the end of the season. I'm not going to be able to get off here. Now, the second thing was all my rations were running out. Like my rice, the spare things that I had were running out. Mm. So I was like, oh no, you know? know, So now I'm like upping my diving. I'm upping my kilojoules. Because the thing was, you'd have bad weather for a day and you couldn't dive. Or the coral spawn would come into too too much of the island. You wouldn't be able to. So I was like, oh no, like this is just getting roaring, roaring, roaring wild. And then... um. 
After about, yeah, so it went 10 days. So after I saw those first guys, it was 10 days, but it was eight days after I said, oh, I want to leave. Then um, another window and about six boats came in. And one of them, there was, uh, it was a old um, trout trawler. This guy, young guy, James, had, he was 25. Him mm. and his girlfriend and his girlfriend's mate, they, they were um, motoring down the coast. And um, just perfect. They were just drinking beers, diving, having a good time. And uh, yeah, they came to the beach and I hit them up for a lift. Mm. the only thing was this is the funniest thing they're like yeah we're leaving in two days the next day i woke up and i'm stepping out of my hut and all the boats are gone except for them and i was like oh yeah cool they're staying here next thing i just see him pull anchor and set off and i was like oh my god there's my lift he's gone <laughs> the weather had changed so what he had done he just went over to the other side of the island and he's thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like, oh, Aaron's going to get live with us. He's told me he was leaving on the Wednesday, I think it was. And this was like the Monday or the, and I'm thinking, and he's thinking, oh, I'm going to the other side of the island. Aaron will be able to figure it out. He'll be able to get over there or whatever. Thinking I'll walk over, not realizing to where he was, was about a three hour hike and I had all my gear. So I was going to have to like do it in like two parts maybe and set up another camp. Yeah. So now it became like a new feat. I was just like, man, it was like my only lift off the island. I got out of my tent and they're just sailing away. <laughs> and, I'm like, and then I've realized like, I've realized, okay, they're on the other side of the island, but now I've got to try to get over that other side and I've got to try to get to them just so I can communicate with them. Yeah. Oh, so it just became this ordeal where... So you, what, you had to pack your camp up and then... Well, I packed it up them. in a panic mm. and then I called the homestead on the on the radio, Robert and Annie, and this is where I got lucky. Annie came down on the trike and we put all my gear on, strapped it down and she rode me across the island. <laughs> she rode me across the island. It took her like a proper full driving on this car. It was hectic to where we, she... This like old lady trying to get me down like to this other beach. We got down and I only had to, we only had to hike. She helped me carry my stuff. Mm. Had to only hike for about forty minutes to where we couldn't get the trike to to yep. get to this bay to find this boat. Those people are amazing, Robin and Annie Cook on the Percy Islands. Absolutely amazing. You know, they're just islanders, man. They're just living out on this island on a homestead garden. They got a garden, veggie garden, fruit trees. You know, it's lucky they're nice people. They don't they're like they're not, they don't want to be left alone. Like they clearly want to help anyone who shows up yeah they got like yeah instead of being like recluse you know you, you, i suppose you either go two ways in that like it's like you either become so introverted that you just don't want to just want to be by yourself or mm. you can become like how i am you just enjoy anyone that comes yeah you know what i mean it's an experience it's exciting that's well i found that with traveling on my own is that you you become not i guess not dependent on people but you just no matter where you went you were on your own so you just you just had friends. to yeah you had to speak to people and you had to make friends and you meet people and i thought it'd take me like ages because i got to even though i was in mexico i was in a populated place but as soon as i got there like within an hour i met two people and, and they were already invited me to dinner so you know what i mean like you, yeah it, that's why i still stay in hostels when i went mm. to hawaii i could have stayed with some friends and then they were like why are you staying in the hostel man i was like because that's where the vibe is mm. you know what i mean everyone's in the same boat everyone's traveling it's just like yachties it's the same thing everyone's traveling everyone's exploring everyone's out experiencing so you're open to it you have to be you got to share a room with other people you know what i mean so you just become friends and the thing is it also pushes you to be friends with people you normally wouldn't hang out with mm. and that's what i found really cool about the percy islands was because i'd be there by myself and then someone would come in sail in like a, or a couple or an old couple there's always a lot of old people because the old people sail you know but 
you just get to meet these interesting people and find out their stories or hear their different stories, you know, and like not, wouldn't be people I'd normally hang out, out with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead it's just like I'm having these amazing relationships, amazing experiences with people, you know. And it'll that, be a memory for them too. Well, that, <laughs> I'm sure they'll tell us. Remember that guy we ran into on the island? Well, that was what was random. Well, I'm there one day and the next thing this, this plane flies over. We're like, what the hell? Oh, yes. Is this what I was Yeah. Questioning Next thing, this plane. plane. I'm thinking like when I was on the Keppel Islands, I'm always seeing this green plane fly over real low. Mm. And, I was, and I thought he must have been doing tours. And then I saw him land on Long Beach one day, like land on the beach on this plane. Anyway, I'm on the freaking Percy Islands. And I see this plane come over. And I'm like, what the hell? There's a plane here. And same it looks like the plane. same plane. And I'm like, mm. are you kidding me? Next thing it lands. And this guy lands on the beach. And I did a podcast with him called um, The Sky's the Limit. It was just like a guy just built a plane and just goes and flies and camps on islands. And him and his girlfriend land, right, and to camp on the island. Do they know you were there? No. <laughs> no one knew I was tripping everyone out. They're like, what the hell? So anyway, this guy, so they camp on the island. And then he goes, hey, I'm going to come back next week with my mate. What do you want? And I was like, dude dude bring me beer <laughs> it was like beer and chocolate so this guy's flown back out the next weekend with his mate and bought me beer and chocolate it was I, like i landed on the beach and like that's why i did that funny video on my instagram but he took that's me that's yeah, the one i saw yeah he took me for a fly around the island and mm. that's when i really like i really saw the island from a dip, you know from bird's eye view i'm looking at the reefs i'm diving i'm looking at sharks everywhere there was a hike that i did there's a place called castle rock which is the highest point of the island it's this cliff face mm. and i climbed up there one day it took me about three three and a half hours to get there i ate a whole heap of mushies climbed up there what mushroom mushrooms yeah like hallucinant mushrooms yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny what the <laughs> what, did, you, did you take them before you walked there or when you got there? Uh, while I'm hiking. So oh, man, that would have fucked me off something chronic. Oh, no, no. It makes you so connected to nature. There was a thing that I was doing um, on the Keppels before I went. Every weekend I was running, doing like a 10K run to the other side of the island. I'd eat mushies, do a big run to get the metabolism kicking in. And then when I'd get there and everything would be stuck kicking in and you, all your blood's flowing, your endorphins are going, like you got all that energy, then I'd sit and do breath work. Mm. And I joined the breath work with the psilocybin and it was so deep. It was so healing. Wait, so how many grams did you, of mushies did you take for this walk? Um, like if you t- a hero the, dose is like five, five grams, yeah. but I was at, like, I'd take about two, two to three grams. Oh, So just like, you know, enough to be really connected in to, to nature, to really be connected into yourself, really be connected into, you know, like, so you've got that connection. I could barely walk. Oh, I'm not like, it's absolutely, dude, how deep I was going. Cause that was the thing too. Like I was healing as well. You know, I'd just, um, well, you know, I'd just, I'd before that I dated that girl who, you know, everything, mm. you know, kind of found out a few things that was not sweet and it really kind of hurt my feelings before we went to the island. No, it was before I even went north, yeah. you know, but it was just one of those things that I was doing those meditations, doing breath work and I was helping just come back into my power come back into the, you know, because what I was doing was doing something that wasn't good for me by, by hanging out with that girl. Like I knew it was, it was toxic for me, yet I was still doing it. Yeah. And so it was like, it was like stepping back into my learning and thinking like, and, and at the time, cause I was doing an inner child course um, and I was doing shadow work. 
So I was really looking into why I do the things that I do. Mm. I was really looking into my own trauma, my own childhood trauma, because the whole thing was, it was like, my whole question was like, how the fuck, why did I choose to date someone that wasn't healthy for me? Mm. It's like it nothing to do with her. She's, she's got her path and her life and her own trauma. You know, it wasn't her, it was me. Like, mm. why did I choose to do that? Like, I knew deep down it wasn't good for me. I knew deep down I was going to get burnt. But I did it. And I was like, why wasn't I showing up for myself? Where was my trauma in that within me that, uh, that I thought it was okay to do that to myself? Why do you think you did that? Oh, because when I actually dove into um, my own shadow work and my own um, inner child work, it was because it was my mom. Mm. So that's like where that trauma came up, you know, and I was dating my mom. You know, it was short-lived, you know, like I didn't date that girl for too long because, it, you know, it was, um, you know, there was a lot of deceit there. Mm. But, and still it had a big effect on me. Not only did it have a big effect in me, it wasn't even, it wasn't, literally wasn't about her, it was about me. It was like about how do I want to show up in this world? How do I want to show up for myself? You know, I can, I love my, I allow myself to give myself everything I need in all parts and aspects of my life with my friends, you know, with, with work life, with adventure life with every like with how i want to live you know with my property and everything and i'm like why can't i do that with relationship or no it's not it's not why can't i do it i've done it before it's like why did i choose this time not to Mm. where did that come from within me to not love myself to not give myself what i need or what i deserve and so i dove into that you know so i started doing some courses i started studying trauma looking at trauma looking at my own trauma and my, I changed my um, meditation and that's where the psilocybin came in. So it was like the psilocybin, I was mixing breath work with it, you know? So it was With machines. With, yeah, dude, it was like, it was deep. Could we do the Wim Hof every now and then? And yeah, I've never thought about doing it on mushrooms. Though. Yeah, well, you transcend quite a bit with even just the Wim Hof, you know, because you're... Yeah. Is that because the... Yeah, okay. We'll talk, we should talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about later. it. But anyway, so I've, do, I've done this for this hike, right? Mm. And I've climbed up to Castle Rock. And I'm looking and it's a 600 meter straight drop off on this cliff edge. And I'm looking and I can see down the cliff edge is a little ledge. And I'm like, oh. And I was like, oh, I'm going to climb down to that and do my meditation on that ledge. It was like, it, like, it was about five, it was about half a meter, this ledge. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Half so, a meter and your mushrooms yeah. is like so, 10. Yeah. <laughs> so I climbed down. And I do this meditation and it's freaking brilliant, you know, because at this stage, I've been on an island by myself, surviving off this mm. island, meeting cool people, just really stepping into my power, really just doing everything for me, you know what I mean? Like having so much fucking fun with it, you know, really connecting to the island. Man, I was on a remote island where I couldn't even see Australia, mm. you know, just like experiencing it and just having fun. And like, I was just, it was just so growing and healing and beautiful, you know, and like, and so powerful, like... I just felt like such in my, um, in my power. Yeah, I think that's the only way to describe it. Mm. So I do this meditation, have these like these beautiful moments reflecting on loved ones in my life, my mum, my family, my friends. Did just you think about me? I did. Yeah, I always think about you, man. Was, well, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. And then anyway, so anyway, when Lee comes out on his plane and takes me for a plane ride around the oh, island. You get a view of this. Yeah. yeah, so now he takes me up a bit around Castle Rock where we could float because like it was like the hot air was rising off the island and he could kind of stall the plane and just kind of float there. So I'm having a good look at this rock and I'm like, oh, there's that little ledge I climbed down to. Then I look at this ledge. It was actually like 
a, like a broken piece of it was a broken piece of rock <laughs> that was just hanging I knew you were in say there a broken piece. that was just hanging off this ledge and i've climbed down and under it was nothing it just stuck out and it was all you could see all the crack around it and i'm looking and i was like oh my god i climbed down and sat on that thing for like two hours <laughs> and he was like are you kidding me and i'm looking at him like oh my god but yeah it's just um yeah it was the experience let the experience take you traveling. Oh, well, that was actually a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went, I, I'm so glad I mentioned the chick that story because that turned into a fucking epic adventure. Were you going to mention that story? No, I don't even know. Like, I don't even, to be honest, there's so much more that happened. There's so much more of that of that island trip i've talked about parts of it when it was with sage but when it was just me by myself and that isolation and the people that i met like every person that came to the island i had a unique experience with just even if it was a 15 minute Mm. combo without sail past stopping at the beach get on the boat and keep going or some people would stay a night or two nights and i'll go dive or hang out or just oh actually do you want to know a fucking random story yeah go okay so when sage i can't believe i'm telling this story so I had the naked girls come to the beach. Mm. That was, and then the people get lost. Mm. We had the sharks dancing around. We had the hikes. We had all the experiences. I had the experience with the people at the homestead. This one, when Sage was still there, this one really rich boat came in, and like a few, like probably five, six million dollar catamaran. I'm not going to say the name of the boat. I'm not going to say the name of the property developer that owns the boat. Anyway, because okay. this old guy is on the boat and he has this young kind of like 30-year-old girl that has like fake boobs, fake lit. I don't know. She just was, you know, mm. all doled up. It was a bit odd because they're in a remote island. When Sage left the island with Christian, there was another guy that he was, ended up sailing with, I sent out my drone to follow them from the beach as they sailed off for a bit of footage. Mm. Now, when they sailed off, they, they sailed out and then... I turned the drone to come back to the beach. And as it came back, a gust of wind came off the island, eddied off the mountain of the island and hit the drone. And the drone wouldn't come forward anymore. So it was stuck in the air. So it was stuck. And it's, the battery's just going down and down and down. It's only 100 meters off the point. I'm looking at it. And it's like right there. And it just won't come forward. There's just too much wind. Mm. This little drone. And the battery just goes down, 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 down. And the next thing, boom, drowns the drone. I mean, yeah, it drowns the drone. So yeah. I'm like panicking. So I'm like, oh my God. So I've run up to the satellite where that satellite is about a half an hour hike away. I'm running to get my phone to connect to the satellite to get the GPS marker for the drone. Mm. So I've got it. Now I've got, got out. There was that, that kayak that, was, that I rescued the people with. I've dragged it down onto the beach, paddled out. But where it's fallen is in this channel, which I've dove before and the current's just so fast there. Mm. So I dive. And I can't see anything for one. And I'm just getting swept down this channel and it's too deep to dive, like to get to the bottom. It's too high tide. And up there, you've got six meter tides. And it's high tide. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to find this drone. Because if I find the drone, then I can get insurance because I had insurance for it. I can get it replaced. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to come back at low tide. So I get in the canoe. There's only one other boat in the bay, this big, rich catamaran. So I'm paddling back past and the guy's sitting down on the deck and i come up i was like hey what's going on he goes oh you want to come up for a beer i was like oh yeah thanks man and i come up and i said to him oh, i've just lost my drone you know i'm trying to die for it and he said 
Yeah, well, you're not going to have any luck on high tide. Why not on low tide this afternoon? I'll mm. take you out there. And um, so, yeah, no worries. It'll be good. He's like, oh, I want a beer. So I sat there and had a couple of beers and talked to um, him and this, this young girl. How old was he? In his 60s. Yeah. You know, late 60s. Anyway, I'm having a bit of a chat to him and had a couple of beers and it was really nice. Like, you know, of course, like they're offering me beers. I'm the guy living in a hut on an island. Mm. Did you tell them that you were living? Yeah, they could yeah. see me living in the hut. Everyone yeah. was always tripping out about this dude living in the hut. Yeah. And anyway, so anyway, I get off the boat, I, I, I go back and then at low tide, they come and pick me up from the beach in the dinghy. Yeah. I've towed my canoe back out with them, behind them, um, just so I had my own means to get back or whatever. And then... I've dove and they're sitting there. They made some gin and tonics or whatever to take me out. And then I've dove my first dive down the currents that strong. I pop up 150 meters from where I dove down. And I'm like, oh my God, there's no way I'm going to be able to find this. He's got my phone with the GPS marker in his dinghy while I'm trying to dive. I spent about half an hour and I'm like, there's no, no way. The current's too strong. This was a tiny little drone. It would have just been swept out. Like it's just... And he's like, yeah, mate, like no point. He's like, but um, he's like, we've got some meat out. Do you want to, you want to have a barbecue? I was like, yeah, mate. He's like, yeah, come back, have a few cocktails with Sunset, we'll have a barbecue. And I was like, oh, wicked. So I come back to their boat. I tie off the canoe with my mm. dive line, which is 25 metres long, to, to the side of their boat, right? And all my dive gears in, in, in the little canoe. And I'm on this catamaran, rich catamaran, this, this girl, like, um, you know, and she's quite, she's quite pretty, but, she, she, you know, she's making up cocktails and everything for me. So I'm, now I'm sitting there, like, drinking you know, margaritas and everything while mm. the sun's going down on this like $5 million yacht while I'm the guy that's like been living on the beach. You know what I mean? Like I'm living in a hut on the beach. Now I'm like on this $5 million catamaran drinking cocktails. So anyway, we have quite a few cocktails and then the sun goes down and um, she gets all the, everything ready for dinner. I think she's like, um, she's like, a, oh, he said to me, he goes, you got one job and that's your cooking the barbie. I was like, yeah, no worries. So the Barbie's on the back of the boat and I think she goes in and starts making some salads and everything and he's in there having a, a beer or a cocktail. And so I cook all this meat and everything and then um, we sit down and we're, we're having dinner and still having more cocktails and everything. And I'm real thankful. I'm having like this really nice, we're in chicken kebabs and stuff, man, and, mm. and steak. I think, no, we're in lamb chops and chicken kebabs and like salad. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm having like such a great time. And, you know, I, I didn't really like that vibe. Like I've got to be honest, I was just a bit too, you know, like I knew what was going on. It was a bit too, like it was, you know, his scene that he lived in was property development, you know, like he loved stuff about deforestation because it meant money for, and it meant growth. And Mm. he also like, I didn't like how he talked about women and, you know, also the lot of drug culture. I think that he was in just a really, I didn't like it, but it was interesting because what it was, was an experience. Yeah. I've never hung around with someone that thinks like this. Yeah. And it was a complete, my opposite view. I wasn't telling him what my view was. I was just like asking him and he's telling me all about property development. And anyway, next thing we, we finish eating dinner. And this girl brings out a whole heap of shots, brings out two shots each for us. And I said to her, I go, oh, look, I'm, I'm fine. I'll just, what I got, I don't like, you know, hard liquor, you know, mm. drinking. And she's like, huh, you sure? And I was like, no, no. And she goes, okay, I'll have yours. And I was like, oh, so now she's got four big shots that are like double shots in front of her. And she starts smashing them, like just putting them back. And I go to her, I go, oh, wait, you're going to get pretty drunk there. And she goes, oh, yeah, I need to get drunk before mixed sex. And I just went, what before what and she goes oh mixed sex and by this stage mixed, i'm what she mixed say? sex oh, mixed is, sex yeah and so i'm like oh, what and i look and i go 
oh, is, is that what this is? And she goes, oh, don't worry. He just likes to watch. I went, what? And meanwhile, when she said that, he was in grabbing something. So she's got up and he's come out and he goes to her, go get changed. So anyway, she goes back into the boat and I'm sitting there real confused because I don't know what's happening. And drunk. <laughs> and I'm starting to get a bit drunk. And he sits down and I start making the conversation serious. So I start talking to him about like investing, what he's investing in. And to be honest, this part of the conversation was actually quite interesting. Mm. I changed the conversation to that because I was trying to make like a serious conversation, not whatever this, you she know, was I was trying about. to get out of weird shit. Mm. So anyway, next thing this girl comes out in this like see-through thing, I don't know. And she comes and stands at the table in front of me, lifts up her dress at the front. And starts dancing around. So now I'm looking at this naked girl <laughs> dancing around in front of me. <laughs> while this like guy in his late 60s is telling me about like making money like property with his property development or whatever. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then he starts like touching her. And I'm like, while well, he's talking to me seriously and he starts touching her. And I'm like, oh, hey, God, I think um, it's my time to leave. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you guys to your night, you know. And they're like, no, no, you're not going anywhere. And they're like, come on, let's go inside the boat. And I was like, no, I'll just stay here. And they, they go inside the boat. Next thing, he gets up and he pulls his pants down. <laughs> so, now <I'm> like, <laughs> so now I'm looking at this like naked 65 or eight-year-old dude. And, the, this, um, and then this nude, like, I think she was like late 20s or whatever. But, you know, like, yeah. really doled up kind of girl. And they start like kind of like doing a bit of foreplay and I'm sitting there and it's real awkward. I'm like, Oh, Hey guys, I'm just going to, and the thing was, they'd just like been so like giving me such nice hospitality. They that's fed me. Gets, that's how they, they gave get you me, in. No, yeah. They gave me all these cocktails and then they bought out a plate. Oh, just before this happened, she bought out a plate of cocaine. I'm like, Oh look, I'm not. And I didn't Holy even, shit. I didn't even want to go there. So I didn't, but this is all happening. Right. And I'm there going, this is, and I'm sitting there going, fuck, like they've been so nice and now this is happening. How do I get out of this? So I'm like trying to like turn my back to them and like stay out on the deck of the boat. And I was like, oh, you guys, yeah, thanks for a good night. I'll just, I don't want to wreck your night. Like you guys just have a bit of fun and I'll just, um, I'll just, I'll just have a beer. I'll just be out here. And I come out and she, and she's like, <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm panicking, I'm pacing, I'm pacing the back of the deck of their boat going, fuck, how do I get out of this one? Could but you not just jump in your canoe? Well, see, is that <laughs> just canoe that's away. exactly what i'm trying to think of like what i do but the thing is i'm trying to do it i'm on an island where i'm the only other guy i can't be too rude you know what i mean i've got to be nice after they've just given me all this hospitality because there's no one you know what i mean mm. so i'm like i'm like oh hey and i've, I've come back in and i said oh, hey guys i'm just gonna go like um blah blah and she's like no like he just wants to watch he just wants to watch and i was like what and she's like it's don't worry like uh. um she, and she comes out to me and I'm like, no, I'm just, just going to leave. She's like, look, look, he just wants to watch. Just uh, like, just, you can just have as much fun with me as possible. He just wants to watch. And I was like, hey, look, I'm not really interested in, into this stuff. Like, it's like, I don't want to wreck your night. You've been so lovely to me. Um, I think I'm just going to go. And she's, and then she's like, what? So you're rejecting me? Oh. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not rejecting you. It's just, no, it's just, it's not like that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a bit out of my comfort zone. I don't really. And she's like, oh, like, yeah, well, yeah, some people get a bit like this because they don't like him to watch. And I was like, oh, and she goes inside. And as she goes inside, I'm like, all right, my opportunity to get out of here. So I go down. What's he doing? Just He's laying himself. naked on the <laughs> thing inside. <laughs> so next thing I come out and I'm like, oh my God. And I come down to the back of the boat and I'm looking and I'm, 
my dive line's tied the dinghy out. It's out in the dark 25 metres away. So now I'm trying to pull it in as fast as I can. <laughs> and it just seems to be forever because it's so far away. So now I'm pulling in this dinghy going, I mean, my, this, this canoe. And I'm there going, shit, shit. And, I, and then I see her coming back. And she's like, and I, I get the canoe and I jump in it and I just start paddling. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm paddling. And I'm paddling. It's pitch black. And I'm just paddling away from the boat. And next thing she comes down, she's like, I've just talked to him, Dari. He just wants to join in. He don't. He won't watch. He won't sit in the oh. corner and watch. He just wants to join in. So now she's gone from offering me like to, for me to like have my way with her, and this guy's going to stand there and watch in the corner. To like now we're both going to have our way with her, and she thinks that's more comfortable for me. And oh. I'm like, for one, I don't want. Even if he wasn't Are there, he's going nice. But even <laughs> if he wasn't there, this girl's not really my type. Like. Mm. I'm, you know, so now I'm paddling, I'm paddling away, panicking, and I'm just there going, no, thank you, but thank you, um, thanks for the good night, and then I'm paddling, and I'm looking, I'm trying to, and it's pitch black, and I'm looking, and I realise I can't fucking see the island, and I'm looking, and I'm like, fuck, so I stop for a sec, and I turn around and look behind me, and I'm trying to see, and realise I paddled the wrong way, I paddled out to sea. So now I had to turn the kayak and paddle back past them. <laughs> so now I'm <laughs> paddling back past going, thanks for a good night, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna <laughs> and I get to the beach. I finally get to the beach and I'm dripping in sweat because I've just, and it's a hot, like I'm in North Queensland now, I'm mm. humid. What you don't want to do before you go to bed is be sweaty and sticky. So now I'm like so uncomfortable. I'm just like covered in sand and wet sand because I've just come through the water as well. Drag the canoe up, up the sand and I've gone and I've gone in my heart and I'm just laying there going, oh my God, this is so fucking weird. I'm so like on this island up. in the middle. <laughs> I'm on, the, on this island so far away from the mainland with no one else. Now there's this two other people here that is on this rich boat who just tried to like do some weird shit with me that I wasn't into. And I'm like, all right, this is just weird. But I knew the next day they'll pull an anchor. Mm. So I'm like, I've just got to go to sleep and they'll leave. So anyway, the next morning I get woken up by a siren going like, Row! like, in a, like a, sounding like a cop car. And I'm like, oh my God, it's them. <laughs> it's like, they've got a siren in the boat, obviously. So I'm like, just stay asleep, just stay asleep. Just pretend I'm not, not here. And I'm like, please don't come to the beach. Please don't come to the beach. <laughs> About half an hour later, I hear this like over like a huge loudspeaker. We're going now, Aaron. We're going now. <laughs> We're leaving. And I'm like, oh God. So I'm like, so now awkwardly, I unzip the tent and I step out and I walk down to like the tide mark, like the low tide where they're like pulling anchor and like start to sail off around the corner. And they're on the two way going, have good luck on the island, Aaron. I'm sitting there going, thanks for dinner and waving at these guys. <laughs> as they sail off and i'm just oh. thinking like you know smiling with my teeth like you know like fake like oh, this is weird you know what <laughs> I mean? and then they sail off into the distance and then they were the last people i saw for like maybe five days oh. so um you never know what you're gonna get yourself into when you just is like- that the end of our <laughs> fucking podcast <laughs> well you oh. wanted to know what happened on the island and weird shit did happen plus it's five to seven we're gonna go get some dinner that is the weirdest fucking trip to the island ever. I did not expect <laughs> you to say that. Uh, no, yeah, there's, you know, well, you've got the survival. Like, I didn't even go that deep into all the stuff. No, it's good. But it's just, you know, it was just. It was fun. It's, yeah. So, I suppose um, that's uh, uh, a bit deeper into the Percy <laughs> Islands uh, 
survival trip I did. There you or go. Go to the Percy Islands trip. and you can do cocaine and a man can watch you have sex with his wife. Well, I don't think it was his wife. I think it was an escort. Oh, like you know what I mean? Like I, don't he, I think I don't know if he was paying or what, but it wasn't his wife. He had a wife. He was married. Maybe she was like a sugar. What do they call them? Yeah, sugar daddy. He was sugar. a sugar daddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! How do we leave? How do we leave on that? Oh, should we just go get some dinner? Yeah, let's go get some dinner. Okay, that's put um, it there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matty B, Matt Brown. Uh, it's been good. It's good to see you, and I'm happy to do this again whenever you want. Yeah, man. Well, it's just this is our excuse to hang out. It's how the podcast started, mm. and uh, you know, you, you, uh, Matt Brown, off um, fully actual. Yeah, the fully, Marty and Michael fully actual podcast. Yeah, so you're the uh, the guy in the corner that you'll see on camera with the yeah. laptop. With I'm the, watching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny, and the pod, that podcast podcast is going great. So, um. Yeah, yeah, it's good fun. It's good seeing you doing it, man. And you got a nice show on Dyers of the Wild Ones t-shirt. I'm going to wear this out tonight, maybe. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for having me. I'll see you later. <laughs> All right, see All right. you, dude. So if you guys like this episode and would like to support keeping this podcast going and also get me up that mountain, please feel free to donate through the link in my bio on Diaries of the Wild Ones Instagram or the website diariesofthewildones.com and in the menu bar, hit the donate link and please share this app on your social media stories or just tell your mum. A penal knife giveaway this week, guys, to whoever shares the podcast and tags Diaries of the Wild Ones. I'll choose a frother and send out a knife. Much love, guys. Enjoy. Jari apa, jari